With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support for this podcast comes from Frito Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Harden My Take. Obviously, this was, this is not a very uh, conventional podcast. Uh, nothing really in 2020 has been super conventional. Uh, but we were originally planning on talking about game five, win or loss. It's supposed to take place tonight, Wednesday night. Obviously, we are not because the game did not take place for reasons that are far beyond basketball. And it's just like the George Floyd response was historic in our lives. Jacob Blake is another chapter and it's something that needs to be discussed. So we brought some of each, uh, some of TDS's, uh, some of TDS's common commentators, writers, contributors to just 
talk about everything that's going on because it's a lot. And uh, I don't necessarily have all of the answers, all of the words for it, but I guess I'll start with Black Lives Matter. I think that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. But I want to uh, introduce our two guests that I have today. Uh, Mike is out um, for tonight's episode, but we have Mr. Cody Davis. Cody, how are you today? Doing well, man. How you guys doing? Doing well. Thank you for asking. And we also have Mr. Conrad Garcia, Conrad Buckets on Twitter. Conrad, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I like how I think the last, the very last podcast we did, you were like, I like your Twitter handle. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> nice Twitter handle. Again. Um, but before we kind of get into the non basketball part of this podcast i do want to discuss um what the events that led up to today the news aspect of it so around 3 30 eastern standard time about 30 minutes before tip-off there were rumblings on twitter in the bubble that bucks were not taking the floor the magic were warming up where are the bucks it's like in the movie like mike where calvin cambridge is uh, 10 minutes away from tip-off, but he's got to do his math homework. So everyone's like, where are, you know, the bucks? Yeah. This um, is literally the same amount of stakes and drama and yeah. gravity. It's the same situation. Yes. And <laughs> the bucks did not come to the floor. People were wondering why. Executives went to the locker room, and it turns out that the bucks were looking to protest and boycott today's game. And this was a decision that came to a surprise to a lot of executives, that came to a surprise to uh, much of the NBA. This was not something that had been brewing in the cards for a long time. This was a very uh, held close to the vest by the Bucks, And the Bucks said, we're not taking the floor. And the Magic said, well, then we're not taking the floor. And that prompted a domino effect that has uh, launched across several leagues, including the WNBA, the MLB, and of course the remainder of the NBA games tonight, including Houston Rockets versus Oklahoma City Thunder game five of their first round series. So that's why we are not talking today, but the Bucks stayed within the locker room to craft a statement that they felt was important. I'm not going to read the whole statement out loud, but what I will do is I will quote tweet it. I'll put it under the tweet that we put this podcast for uh, so that our listeners can read the statement that the Bucks made. And it, it prompted change. They were speaking with the Wisconsin, um, attorney general and they apparently were discussing and asking what they could do to help prompt change and they wanted this first step to be making a huge splash by opting out of playing a playoff game like this is not just some ordinary game guys this was a playoff game this could have been their ticket to the second round of the playoffs not that you know that was ever really in question given that it's the number one seed bucks versus the number eight seed magic, Mm -hmm. but a very important game 
we're not trying to downplay the playoffs here. And the Bucks said, you know what, there are more things important than playing in this very important playoff game. So I want to get y'all's reactions here about what you thought of the news when you first heard about it. What do you think of everything that has transpired over the, fa- over the past couple of hours? And we'll start with Cody. What do you think of everything that's happened today? Well, first and foremost, let me just say I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised because, to be honest, this was the only thing that could happen was to cancel a game. Um, you know, at first I was kind of confused because it's like if you boycott a game, my biggest takeaway is will it just be one game? Will it just be for the rest of the weekend? Or is, or is this a point where we say, okay, the NBA season is over? Because one thing I've always felt, and this basically proved my point, was we saw how much, you know, due to the pandemic, sports not being played and stuff, with the George Floyd situation, it, it caught people's attention. And I'm not going to lie. I wanted to see the NBA return, but then again, I didn't. And I was leaning towards the side of I didn't because I knew that the narrative was going to change. And as soon as the game tipped off again, the narratives went from NBA players, you know, protesting, fighting for change to what they did last night on the court. You know, look at TJ Warren, um, you know, scoring 40 to 50 points. That became the narrative. And to be honest, and even myself, it started getting downplayed once again. And here we are in this same situation once again. And to be honest, having not just the NBA, but the WNBA and even some MLB teams taking the stand to not play is starting to once again open people's eyes. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a sad situation. And I see a lot of people on Twitter and everything, you know, saying, well, what's next? What they're, what they're going to do, what they're going to do. You know, we, we've, we've been trying to figure that out for the longest, man. And, you know, the fact that George Floyd happened in May and here we are again in this situation and it's just August. And these are just the people that we know about, you know, there are countless of others that are not, filmed and I'm not talking about in the past I'm just talking about in 2020 alone Mm -hmm. which which is really sad it it truly is and um but you know to answer your question I'm not surprised and this is possibly the only thing the NBA could have done was not go out there and play Conrad what are what are your thoughts to everything that you saw today yeah um you know let me first start off by saying you know this is a conversation that I bring up in, you know, the conversations of race and, and, you know, racial disparities and injustice, you know, it's something that I've brought up numerous times, you know, writing for TDS and then on the Twitter account. But, you know, I want to let everyone know that I'm not black, first and foremost. You know, I'm Latino. Um, I do bring a minority viewpoint, but at the end of the day, all non-black people, all non-black people, should understand that we're on the outside looking in. And that's vital, that's important. Because the more we think that we understand, the more that we think that we know the answers, the less likely we are to do something more. You always want to learn more, you always want to listen more, you always want to understand. You know, 
being on Twitter today, I see a lot of people, especially from, you know, NBA Twitter, NBA Twitter is very, very white, um, giving their inputs. And I wasn't, I'm not the biggest fan of that um, because there's a lot of weird words being used. Like, for example, happy. I'm happy that they're protesting. You shouldn't be happy. You should not be happy. You should be proud. You should have admiration. You should have respect for what's going on in the league. But understand that this didn't happen because of one person, like Cody mentioned. This didn't happen because of Jacob Blake. The protest didn't happen because of George Floyd. This doesn't happen because there are two incidents in 2020 that create this tension. This is hundreds of years of tension and frustration and oppression that have led up to this point. So that being said, it's always important for non-Black people to listen, to take a step back, and also engage with Black people. That doesn't mean prodding them or asking them for their opinion. It just means listening. So that being said, um, I don't think, I think people that, um, like Cody, I'm not surprised. I think a lot of non-Black people were surprised simply because um, you shouldn't have thought that the whole Black Lives Matter on the court, the whole putting you know the names and, and, and messages and stuff like that on the back was enough. The tension was there. You know, they were there because one, they wanted to play basketball, but they wanted to do it, you know, and still feel right and still feel okay doing it. It boiled over once again. You know, the tension was never gone. It just boiled over once more. And, you know, the Bucks still have a uh, a member on their team that was a, that was a that was a subject to police brutality, Sterling Brown. So their 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 eyes have been opened, their ears have been perked, and honestly, no one should be surprised by this. And to think that it was kept close to their chest, you know, not saying that you know people who believe that were wrong, but you should have known, or you should have expected something. And so, I mean, it's not a it's not a surprise for me. I um, again, I'm not black, so I'm not going to say, oh, this is the right thing to do. This was the wrong thing to do. You know, I respect the decision completely. I, you know, understand why they made the decision. And you know, <laughs> again, I don't want to say it's the right decision, but if they believe that this is the right decision to, you know, make change to address bigger um, problems, you know, Milwaukee is a team that is they're in a city that is is um, you know pretty well diverse, I believe. But then they they're in a state that's like eighty percent white people in Wisconsin, and so for people that say, "Oh, what does this do? What does this do? What is this for? Who is it for?" All the people in Wisconsin that are ignoring this, all the people in Milwaukee ignoring this, they're reminded that their team is not comprised of people from Milwaukee, of people from Wisconsin. It's not comprised of a bunch of white people from their state. Right. And they're not going to like that, and they're going to talk about it. And the Bucks aren't playing on their time. These NBA teams aren't playing on other people's time. They're playing on their time. So I have so much admiration for this decision. I respect it wholly. It's, it's, it's something that is so unprecedented. 
to um, to us to the to, to sports, and so you know this was it's historic. It's 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 one thing to be in the bubble. It's one thing how they went into the bubble, but for them to really you know walk the walk after they talk the talk, it's 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 something to see. Right, and Conrad, I think you brought up a really good point when you said that people aren't happy about this. No, we, we wanted to see the games. We wanted to talk about the Rockets, win or lose. That's what we, like, we are not happy that they are protesting. They're not playing basketball. That's what we want. That's what we wanted to see them return. We want to see them play these games. We want to see the Rockets win a championship for crying out loud. But admiration is the right word. And on Twitter, in social media, it can become... It, you don't get all of the story. You don't get all of the emotions. And that is apparent. Like people that are claiming that sports writers are happy that sports are being canceled because of COVID-19. No, they're not. That, kick, that kicks them out of a job. They are likely in that profession because they enjoy sports just as much, if not more than you do. But they are doing it because they feel that is the right thing to do. And you know, whether or not players should be playing in a non-COVID bubble is totally outside of this podcast. It's a story for a different podcast. But I want to bring up a point that Cody made where it became commonplace. It was not the real story. It was more about what, you know, it was about the Lakers dropping uh, 24-8 against uh, the Blazers the other night. That's what people were talking about. People were talking about how Brett Brown really screwed up the Sixers. It was about how Nate McMillan was getting fired after, you know, very questionably today. That's what people were caring about. But when you see something happen, now how news works is the newest story. It's new. New is in the word news. The newest stories are the ones that come to the forefront. And... Black Lives Matter being painted on the basketball court and the names on the back of everyone's jerseys or the messages, whatever you may call it, those have become commonplace because we've seen it for nearly a month now since the NBA has gone back to playing. And so we've become accustomed to it. For instance, the there's a TikTok sound where it's like, you know, uh, kill the officers that killed uh, that killed Breonna, or arrest the officers, yes, arrest the officers that killed Breonna Taylor. But that's becoming part of meme culture, almost, because it's said so often, and it's been, I don't want to say glorified, but it has, it's become part of people give it a like, you know, because <laughs> they support the message. But like does not equate support. Or, it, well, it does, but it doesn't mean that they like that they're saying that. It doesn't mean they like that Breonna Taylor was killed in her sleep by those Louisville police officers that still have yet to be arrested. And yet all of the efforts, all of the saying of Breonna Taylor's name in the past couple of months, has it done, has it given justice to Breonna Taylor? I hope that it has in some regards, but I know that it hasn't been given its full justice. Breonna Taylor has not been given full justice. Jacob Blake has not been given full justice. There are so many people 
countless names now in the past, not just five years, but hundreds of years, going back to Emmett Till, going back to before Emmett Till, mm -hmm. that have not gotten their justice. And that's the issue. Yeah, that's um, why people are protesting today. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to, you know, I, I, I know it was agreed upon by the Players Association, and again, complete respect for it, but there is an issue that arises whenever billion dollar corporations start agreeing on how to protest. And that in and of itself is a problem, like for everyone, for everyone to kneel before the game all at the same time, it's, you know, calculated, it's done. You know, why not just get rid of the national anthem? Don't play it. Don't play it because we're not in solidarity. But to, for everyone to kneel, for it to be so calculated, you know, it takes away that edge. It takes away the thing that Colin Kaepernick was blackballed for. It takes away the gravitas, the, the message. It really does. All it does is, you know, continue to make the people who are already mad for them to stay mad. But at the end, once we're four games in, five games in, whenever we're like three games in, it, it loses its it loses its value. Don't why this this protest is so important, this strike. I know everyone's saying boycott. I think the boycott thing is a weird thing that like maybe because the NBA doesn't want to use like union language. I have no idea why they don't want to say strike. Um, but anyways. The, the strike is so important because this isn't something that was, you know, really hashed out. This wasn't something that was like, oh, we're going to go to the commissioner. We're going to talk, you know, to the front office. Like, no, these players did not want to play. And that's why it's so important. That's why, at the end of the day, the rest of the stuff didn't matter with the message on the court. Because at the end of the day, these are people. These are people that are frustrated, that are tired, and that they're going to make decisions for themselves. Mm -hmm. So, Cody, let me ask you now, what is next for the NBA? What, what is the next step that they take? So they had their meeting tonight in the bubble. Uh, all of the players that are still in the bubble were invited. I assume that teams and players outside of the bubble were also uh, in on the conversation. But where do you see the NBA going from here? To be honest with you, Jeremy, Conrad, I honestly do not know. Because, um, I, I mean, at this point, with the players deciding not to play, I, I don't see them returning to the court Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Because if they do, then that's going to make me and a lot of other people question, well, why did you – boycott in the first place the the only way i can see the players going back out there on the court is if in the next 48 to 72 hours we see the cop who shot jacob blake get arrested and we see the police officers who killed brianna taylor in her sleep get arrested as well that's the only way i can see the nba resuming under these circumstances because Come Saturday, come Sunday, nothing has changed. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna look great. It, it's it's 
it's it's not going to look great for them to go back out there on the court because all that's going to do is is restart this cycle all over again. It kills the validity of the message. Exactly. And that was one of the reasons why, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wanted them to go into the bubble because, I mean, hell, the NBA season before it got messed up due to Corona, it was getting really, really interesting, you know, and, you know, as a reporter, as a fan, I wanted to see it finish. But I knew deep down inside, especially as a black man living in this country, in the South, I was like, nah, it's, it's because at that moment, Black Lives Matter started in, I think it was either 2013 or 2014. But we have never had this much, if you want to call it support, because I still question the support, especially when you're talking about millions and billion dollars companies. Um, but it never had this much momentum. And just like I said earlier, I knew if the players go back, it's going to be what LeBron James did, you know, even though we love him, what James Harden did, you know. And that took away from the message. And like you guys said, you know, it gets to the point, you know, you see Black Lives Matter painted on the court. You see the how many mores and Breonna Taylor name and stuff on the back of their jersey. But at some point, you become accustomed to those things. And that that's why I, I honestly don't see them returning to the bubble and finishing out this season unless something changed within the next 48 to 72 hours. And then you also got to take into a, take into consideration that this is possibly one of, if not the most important presidential election in possibly U.S. history. And I want to see change. I'm not going to lie to you. And the players want to see change. And they know they, they it's going to be hard for them to continue preaching change, but yet you're still trying to go out and win a championship. Yeah, that's nice and all, but at the end of the day, that's not the most important thing right now. So, Jeremy, to be honest with you, I would say if nothing has changed within the next 48 to 72 hours, the NBA season is possibly going to be done. Conrad, do you think that well, – I agree with Cody. These next 48 to 72 hours are incredibly critical if the NBA season wishes to continue. What – I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Cody. What do you think needs to happen for the players to say – Let's let's get back to the court. Huh. Well, you know, I tweeted earlier from a Dream Shake account that, you know, and this is this is for mostly again for non-black people, that a lot of us immediately started talking about um, when the NBA will return, uh, what that means for the season, um, what that means for all the other sports going on. And you know, it's like, okay, I understand, like, that's an interesting topic, but, you know, the Bucks are not even an hour away from having postponed their game, or to, you know, having a strike from their game. You know, they're on the phone with the Attorney General right now. So maybe right now we should talk about that more. And, you know, that's what I want people to really think about, first and foremost. But we're doing a podcast, and I should answer this question, but, again, First and foremost, it's, it's much more important for us, like Cody said, think about the election. Think about what this means for, you know, furthering, going forward and, and you know, further um, defunding the police or, uh, you know, getting rid of that system altogether. That's more important right now. Um, 
But anyway, so to the question at hand, um, I really don't know. I don't know what it's going to take, mostly because we're not there right now with them. Maybe it's just, you know, they just couldn't do it today. You know, they can't do it tomorrow. They can't do it in the next 72 hours. The league has to regroup. They have to have conversations. They have to see legitimate push from front offices, from owners, from the league itself on how it's going to contribute politically, how it, you know, contributes to political allies, um, the way they, they, you know, donate to PACs. You know, it's, it's something that is so unseen and unheard of, especially recently. And so, you know, I don't, I really don't know. Um, personally, I've thought about it, about how they feel. And obviously I believe that they have talked about the situation beforehand, especially the Bucks. What would happen if this happened again? And it's kind of hard for me to think that they would go into the bubble saying that if this happens, that we're going to just stop playing. Because if one team pulls out, then the rest of it goes. You, you, there's no way you can continue that in earnest and respectfully. There's no way you can continue the season if a team pulls out because of what's, mm. you know, police brutality and what's going on. So I don't know. I think conversations have to go really well, but I think the season – can continue and again this isn't for us we're really panicking about what should happen next for the league to come back because a lot of us didn't see it coming so whenever you don't see it coming you're instantly thinking well if they can skip one game then the entire season's done right you know and a lot of times no they need to get backing from the league they need to get their message out they needed to take some time to talk about this mm -hmm. So there's no answer for this. But I think, again, that we should think of these conversations and these strikes as more calculated than we're giving it credit. These are very smart um, men and you know, people that you know, want to make a change and want to make a difference. And we shouldn't think that this is something that was just thrust upon them you know, last night. This is something they've been thinking about. So for right now, you know, I just want to see how the conversation goes and, and you know, only then we'll know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And in terms of what's happened next, I'm going to read a tweet here from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. He says, within the Bucks, the team that started this chain reaction, their sentiment that the team wants to continue playing here in the bubble Sources tell ESPN, the team's statement about it imperative for the Wisconsin State Legislature to reconvene after months of inaction was an important element of action that players want to influence. And it turns out that, so there's another tweet that I want to read. I can't find it now. Maybe, maybe it was taken down or something like that, but... Basically, it was along the lines of, I retweeted it, so let me go to my account. <laughs> oh, it was from Ramona Shelburne. There you go. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN. Uh, Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes said it was meeting with the Milwaukee Bucks. They just wanted to do what they could do 
Barnes said. They wanted something tangible that they could do in the short and long term. They wanted the walkout to be step one. So step one of their plan has been enacted. Barnes told them that the most important thing that they could press for is for action at every level of government. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers has called the special session of the state legislature and urged lawmakers to vote on a legislative package that includes police reform. And the police reform uh, bill, um, the police reform legislation has been introduced and it has not been voted on yet, but it was introduced June 20th, so about two months ago. So talk about change. That sounds like change to me. Mm -hmm. And if that does something, then this was worth it. Because, you know, part of me thinks, you know, with what happened with George Floyd, three months later, we're nearly in the same position as we were. All of what happened, and this is what we've learned from it, have we, and there's so much that people can do but there's also so much that is out of our control. We can't control what one white man does and put seven bullets in someone's back. And to me, I don't think there is an answer for the eradication of systemic racism, of police reform. And to me, that, that's like, well, if there is no answer, then maybe there is no basketball. And I, I would say, in my opinion, I think that there is a 25% chance that the NBA plays again this season. I just can't see how this is going to change. Something's going to have to happen. But the NBA has already done so much for social justice. What is the next level? And then after that, for all we know, something could happen tomorrow and another black man could be shot by a policeman. That could happen at any point, and it will. Jacob Blake is not the last. As much as we wish he was, he will be far from the last, which is this, the worst part about this whole thing, is despite time after time after time after time after time after time after time, it continues. And, you know, today I just, I felt very defeated. I feel defeated. I feel like part of me in a way is just ripped, ripped away. And I know that's a fraction of what African-American black people feel. And that to me is probably the worst part of it is that I can only feel so much pain and it's horrendous. And that's only a fraction of what black people probably, probably feel. It's, there's no winners in this situation. Nobody wins. The world is in shambles. Despite the overwhelming coming together that we've seen from the WNBA, the NBA, the Major, Major League Baseball, people all over the world in the United States, do, do you guys feel that in some regard? Like, do you feel like you can't, you feel so powerless? You know, I think um, the conversation is 
you know, the smartest thing that the bugs can do is try to make change, you know, at the legislative level through laws, defunding the police, like I mentioned before, you know, and for, for people who, you know, are listening to this and want to make actual change, there isn't a surefire way to, you know, eradicate systemic racism, but it all begins with taking resources and putting them in places that close the gap of disparity. And so that includes, again, taking away money from the police. And by the way, don't get me wrong about how I feel about the police. Okay, I'm all for eradicating the police, but taking money from them is vital because most of our resources goes to defense. It goes to the military and it goes to the police. We're always asking where we can get money for teachers, where we can get you know, money for schools, for, 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 you know, resources like food stamps or, you know, how people can get money, you know, just to, just to see the next day. You take that from, from other government entities that we're putting so much money into. And so whenever you start investing in schools, whenever you start investing in, in public resources, like libraries, like after school programs, you know, stuff that people don't have to worry about where their kids are going to be when they have to work two jobs after school, stuff that keeps them off the streets, stuff that allows them to be kids and, and worry about getting an education, that providing for people who need help being provided for is how you eradicate racism. Because we have spent hundreds of years providing money and funneling money into people that don't need it that have the power, that have the wealth. The nicest schools are in the richest areas. Everyone knows this, it's not a secret. So provide people with a proper education, allow people to study after school. They don't have to get a job. They don't have to work their way through college just to take the class that the kid next to them can take on their father's dime. Give them an opportunity to not have to carry on the extra baggage of poverty, of systemic racism, and put them in positions of power. And that is the best way that we can eradicate systemic racism. So I don't feel powerless, I feel hopeful because we're now more aware than ever. And as long as we continue that, all these people getting shot and killed by the hands of police, it's not gonna happen in vain. There is gonna be a real change to come. Cody, how do you feel about just when, what is, what is the answer in your, in your eyes? Well, first and foremost, let me just say, we don't, I don't feel defeated because, I mean, this just keeps happening over and over and over again. So it just makes you feel like, you know, for me speaking, possibly for the African-American community, we all feel like every time something like this happens, it feels like we always take a step back. But at the same time, it's like we're going to continue knocking this wall until it comes down. And um, I, I think it goes beyond of just defunding the police. Because, you know, you take a look at Trayvon Martin, you take a look at Amal Arbery. I mean, those two guys were African-American killed, uh, African-American men who were killed, unarmed, of course, and 
those didn't come from police. It got to start at home, you know, and I believe that no one is, I believe hate is basically taught. You, you know, you're not born to hate the opposite race or the opposite sexuality or whatever you hate. You're not, you're not born with that hate in your, in, in your heart. Somewhere along the line, you develop that. And I think most importantly, most importantly, it starts at home. Because like I just mentioned, Mar Arbery, Trayvon Martin, that those situation has had nothing to do with police. And yet it's still the same old story. African-American male, unarmed, not doing anything, minding their business, still end up dead. Yeah. That's a very good point. It's a very strong point. There is uh, a look around the, around the whole spectrum, and we have to figure it out. You would think that it wouldn't take this many tries to figure it out. I don't know. That's, that's how I was, I was raised. I was raised to love thy neighbor and to treat people who you would want to be treated. And to me, like this whole year has kind of opened my eyes and I realized that not everyone was taught that growing up, I guess. That's, if someone that's has the wherewithal. That's what it seems like. If someone has the wherewithal to shoot someone based off of the color of their skin or the you know, their background or their sexuality or like I just could never ever even get close to thinking of that because I was taught better. I was taught to treat people with respect, treat people with love. You don't have to like everyone, but you have to love everyone. And I just, it it baffles me. And I've learned a lot in that regard about how I can love people in a different way that can be more effective, that I can treat people with respect in a different angle that will be more effective towards helping create a better society. And as a global citizen, that's, that's our job. That's what everyone's job should be. And yes, the world will never be perfect. And I don't think that I should expect that anymore. And maybe that's naive of me to expect a perfect world because that's not what we have. And so I'm, I'm thankful for the two of you who have, you know, steered my uh steered my ideas back in the right direction there is hope we don't need basketball to feel that we don't need the lack of basketball to feel that but it does help i think i think it's important that we remember the fact that you know a lot of us were taught right the thing is the conversation becomes hard for the everyday person because for black people, they've had to have these conversations early on and understand the transgressions that they will face through life because society puts that upon them. But for the everyday person, 
they're taught that, you know, police are good or police mean right, or that if you just work harder, that you'll get whatever it is that you want to accomplish. You know, for the everyday person, say, say like the normal Democrat, not like the far left-leaning Democrat, and then, you know, the normal Republican, not, not a Trumpster. They're going to ask the questions of, well, what were, they, what were they doing for the cop to react this way? What did they do? What's their background? And we have to stop believing that authority figures, people put in positions of authority, not authority figures. People put in positions of authority, you know, immediately know what's best or immediately right. You have to start empathizing. You have to start considering the fact that this stuff happens to people because of how they look, because of their demeanors, because of hundreds of years of, of preconceived stereotypes put upon them. And maybe, maybe try to understand why you would think it's okay that a person before they're able to be brought to the ground, before they're able to be stopped in any other physical manner, before they even take one bullet, they have to take seven. You have to ask yourself, why am I taking the cops' side? And why are people so angry that I'm taking the cops' side? There are so many opportunities for the cops to stop them, to stop, um, I'm sorry, I have so many names, Jacob Blake. There's so many opportunities for the cops to stop Jacob Blake. And they wait until he gets in his car, until he extends into his car to shoot him in front of his kids. Sorry, that seems very calculated to me. So the moderate person, the everyday person has to stop and look at themselves and realizing they're not empathizing anymore. They're taking sides. Well said. Uh, Cody, I'm going to give you um, a chance to say anything that you feel has been uh, unsaid and um, wrap it up. Oh, thanks, man. Um, you know, I just want to, you know, basically just piggyback off of everything Conrad, you know, just finished talking about, you know, and I just, uh, you know, me working in media, you know, I do Texans podcast, Rockets podcast, you know, whatever, you know, I, I'm trying my best to use my platform, you know, and if I can get one person to understand our frustration, if I could get one person to help us make that change, I feel like I've done my job. And, you know, I, I want to paint this picture so people can, maybe if I use this illustration, they can understand a little bit more why we are so upset, especially to the ones who like to use the, well, what was he doing? What was his criminal background and all this other stuff? And the saddest part about this illustration, I don't have to go too far back in order to make my point clear. And, you know, you, you look at what happened Sunday with Jacob Blake, you know, unarmed African-American male, you know, shot in the back seven times, you know. Um, they claim he had a knife waving it around or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm, under the, I'm under the belief if the police is called to a situation, something is not right. I understand that. And I truly understand that. But why is it that 
he is the one who gets shot in the back seven times in front of his kids, you know, probably as of right now, as we speak, still fighting for his life, you know, he's paralyzed for life if he makes it out of this. But then (laughs) you go and look at the events that took place Tuesday night in Wisconsin. There was this Caucasian male, 17 years old, who opened fire on a protest and killed two people. Mm-hmm. But yet the police found some kind of way to arrest him peacefully. So, you know, and, and, I, and I'm all, and I always find that appalling to me. You know, you, you take a look at, you, you, you take a look at um, George Floyd, you know, apparently he had a counterfeit $20 bill that he was trying to buy something using a fake $20 bill. He ended up dead, murdered with a police kneeling on his neck. But yet you look at a guy like, um, what's his name? I'm having a blank. Oh, but you, but you look at a guy like Dylan Roof. Dylan Roof. I was going to say Dylan Roof. <laughs> who went inside a church and killed about 10, nine or 10 people. And the police found a way to arrest him peacefully. And not only did they arrest him, they took him to Burger King because he said he was hungry. You know, you, you take a look at a guy like Eric Garner. And, you know, this always continues to happen. And to be honest with you guys, the shooting of Jacob Blake, you know, the, the, the murder of George Floyd, you know, all these, all these videos that comes out that show African-Americans losing their lives at the hands of police or just racism in general. I, I never watch those videos because one, I, it's depressing and two, I don't want to see it. And the reason why I don't want to see it because the one that still stick with me to this day is Eric Garner, mm-hmm. the guy who was in New York who broke up a fight. The police came and realized he had some kind of warrant or something and something about he was selling illegal cigarettes. And they manhandled him they, they bring him down to the ground. And the fact that he mumbled, he uttered these same words in 2014. I can't breathe. The same words that George Floyd mumbled in 2020. And yet he ends up dead. But yet you got a guy by the name of James Holmes who goes into a movie theater and open fire and kill, what, 12 to 15 people. But the police finds a way to arrest him peacefully. You see what I did there? The black ones end up dead. And the white ones, they're still alive. Yes, they in prison or whatnot, but they're still alive. Living off our taxes, by the way, I must add. <laughs> but, but yet, you, you know, I, I and I just want to ask, you know, me personally, <laughs> I have my own feelings about this and I feel like it should be the opposite way because there's no way in hell you can tell me you selling illegal cigarettes, you, you know, let's say waving a knife um, or you um, trying to buy something with a fake $20 bill should result in you losing your life. When you literally open, then you got on the other side, you, you have people open fire, opening fire on just random citizens for no apparently reason. And then you come back. And then when you want to look and bring up their background history, you know, you want to say, oh, well, this person, he, you know, robbed this person in, in, in 2000 and he got a long record of doing this and that. But then on the people that 
committed these mass shootings, oh, he had mental issues. His daddy wasn't around, you know? So, so we, we gonna show him sympathy. But yet, the only thing George Floyd did was try to buy something with a $20 bill, you know? I, am I missing something? And that's what I wanna know, you know? If, if you can break it down and let me know that's what I'm missing, okay. But nine times out of 10, matter of fact, 10 times out of 10, that's not gonna happen. think this is a good place to park the rocket ship but thank you so much for those of you that listened in on our conversation it is uh one of many that will be taking place over the next couple of days over the next couple of months hopefully uh for the rest of our lives because as we've mentioned there is no way to create a perfect society but we can at least try and do our best and i and i Thank you, Conrad, and I thank you, Cody, for using this platform that we've built to hopefully try to form a more perfect union, as that is stated in the Constitution of the United (laughs) States on this country that we all live in. Let me add something before we go. Go ahead. Um, I urge all non-Black people, every single one of them, at this time and for the foreseeable future, Please, please, please listen to Black people, subscribe to Black creators, take the opportunity to get a different perspective. And that includes the people that consume all the white liberal media, you know, Colbert, um, uh, you know, John Oliver, you know, those guys are great, but they're just, they're orators. They're, again, on the outside looking in. They can cry, they can be frustrated. But truthfully, if you really want to understand, get it from the perspective of the people that are suffering. That is the most vital thing you can do. If you want to know how to really create change for people who don't look like you, who don't get treated like you, you have to hear it from them. Always, always, always. And thank you for that, Conrad. You can follow Conrad on Twitter at Conrad Buckets. Best Twitter name in <laughs> I must say. And then you can also follow Mr. Cody Davis on Twitter at Um Cody Davis underscore twenty-four. That's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore twenty-four. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner, J-E-R-E-M-Y. B-R-E-N-E-R. And you can also please follow DreamShake SBN on Twitter. And we don't know what the future holds of the NBA for this season. I'm sure we will know more within the next few days. We will be following this story uh, and its developments on the dreamshake.com. So please be sure to check that out. We possibly will be having another episode of Harden My Take in the next couple of days, likely on this very same subject, detailing the next developments of the, what we'll call a strike. I think strike is the proper word Mm -hmm. uh, that we came up with today. And this is unprecedented. And unprecedented times call for unprecedented measures. So 
I just want to say be kind to one another and treat people how you want to be treated. I think that's a good way to close this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.